At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. Okay, here we go. A start of a brand new week and a new episode of the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers, is underway. I'm Danny Burke, your host. Welcome into the show. Again, you can get in touch with me on Twitter at Danny Burke5. You can also get a hold of my show, Rush Hour, on VEASAN, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. Folks, like I always say, please check it out. Please follow me on Twitter so you can get those links because we crushed it with our dimes last week. 9-3 and three throughout the NBA and hockey. We had one college bet. It was that brutal beat with Purdue and Wisconsin with the two banks. And, man, that's just why I don't bet college hoops. But we will talk college hoops today because we have the tournament bracket set for conference play at least, and we'll talk about that for the Big Ten. How about my Cornhuskers, baby? That's right, Nebraska going on a tear right now. Can you believe it? The answer is absolutely not, but my goodness, uh, could they be worth a bet? Not, of course, to win the tournament, but for them to win the first game against Northwestern. We'll talk about the brackets, the seeding, the odds, all that good stuff in the second part of this edition of the Chicago CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. And then to begin with, of course, we'll preview this Bulls and Sixers game. So why don't we go ahead and start right there. The Chicago Bulls in another tough spot on the road against the Philadelphia 76ers. So we talked about this tough six-game stretch for Chicago in the second half of this season, and this is really going to be the final test and it's not saying that in the sense that they don't have any other tough games but from a tough schedule now a lot of these games are on the road granted but in terms of competition I mean you're on the road against Detroit for your next game winnable should be and I hope so uh, you get Cleveland at home then you're on the road against Sacramento Utah Phoenix that's a tough stretch right there but you can definitely beat the Kings you've already beaten the Jazz Although, who knows what kind of confidence we have in the squad at that point. Look, the Bulls dropped one to the Bucks on Friday night. We didn't expect them to win. They got your hopes up. What ended up happening? Well, a couple things. One, we cast our bet with Vooch under 19.5 points. Was a sweat. Typically is, but it came through, so we're happy about that. The thing that is frustrating is because, look, the Bulls... Had some incredible highlight-worthy plays. Derrick Jones Jr. with the slam. The alley-oop from Io to Zach Levine. Like, Io did some fantastic things in that game, but he also had some terrible mistakes that really cost him. So, it's kind of, I don't know. You get a little bit of both with Io in that game. Overall, you take away the positives from it. Because he's a rookie and he's doing a lot 
a lot more than you would have ever asked or assumed we would have asked for him coming into his rookie season. Now, what was frustrating is what? The Bulls had a seven, eight-point lead going into the fourth. I'm sitting there with my friends watching the game and kind of just kind of just chuckling under my breath myself going, yeah, that, that lead's not going to last for long. Like, it's not going to take long at all for the Bucs to get back into this. I think it took less than three minutes for the Bucs to tie the game into the start of the fourth quarter. Because that's Bulls basketball. And that's basketball in general, but more specifically, that's Bulls basketball. And we talked about it. Look, if the Bulls somehow get into an early lead or just a lead in general, live bet Milwaukee, they'll find a way to win. Case in point, boom, right there. Even if the Bulls were down big, look to live bet them, they'll probably make it close at some point. They did. They did. Overall, you lose by six. I know a lot of a lot of people had that in-game number of uh, either if it was around five and a half, six or a half, six and a half, so you're sweating that out. At least some of my friends did, so I know they were, they were uh, definitely watching till the end more intently than they would for other spots but that's just the nature of the business and that's what makes it exhilarating and fun or terrible if you had plus five and a half the point being is look you applaud the bulls effort to a certain extent because you still know they're depleted they're on the second leg of a back-to-back this box team is great but you want to see, you need to see them close that out you needed that win And again, I'm not saying I expected them to get it. I'm not saying really anybody expected them to get it. But again, the fact that you were there, the fact you had a pretty comfortable lead going into the fourth, inexcusable once again. You couldn't rebound the damn ball. You couldn't stop the Bucs from getting to the free throw line. At the same time, you refused to get there consistently yourself. That's what's going to kill the Bulls tonight. The Sixers, number one in free throw rate. The Bulls have been giving up free throws like it's nobody's business. The Grizzlies went 21 of 26. Heat went 20 of 26. Atlanta went 24 of 28. Remember, Bulls went 6 of 7 in that game. Milwaukee went 22 of 33. So really, the game shouldn't have been that close considering that Milwaukee couldn't hit their damn free throws. But the Bulls only got to the line 11 times and made 8 free throws. You need to at least be getting 15 to 18 per game if you want to be a legit contender. At least, at least, ideally 20 if you actually want to be a championship contending team. But conversely, well, you got to limit your opponents from getting to the line that many times. And that's why Philadelphia is going to have the upper hand in this game. Not only because you have the front runner in the MVP and Joel Embiid, who dropped 40 the last time. DeRozan did outscore him with 45. Sixers still won. Not only do you have Harden now, who's been a fantastic acquisition, but it's just you're on the road where you're 15 and 15. You're still missing a lot of pieces, and you've lost to the Sixers three times, and they have the advantage of pretty much every category except for transition defense and offense and Half court, 50-50, but the point is the Sixers are going to find a way to make you pay for your lack of defense, your lack of energy and getting to the spot before your opponent, and they're going to go to the free throw line probably close to 28 times this game. Seriously, I put the over-under at like 27 and a half. But again, going back to that game on Friday, you didn't have the expectation they'd win. Doesn't make it sting any less. Because you had it, again, just like Atlanta. You had it. Memphis, you could have had it with a good shot at the end. You didn't. At least in the Memphis game, they didn't have the lead, so it wasn't a complete crusher. But 
In Miami, you just never made it close. But Atlanta should have won. Milwaukee could have won. And that's what makes it so damn frustrating. Now, are you frustrated because it's inexcusable regardless who's on the floor? Or is it frustrating because you're looking at this roster saying, man, if they had Caruso and Ball or Williams or one of those guys, they could close out those games. I think it's a little bit of both. Actually, I know it's definitely both. Because again, despite missing them, you should be closing out those games. I don't care who the hell the opponent is. If you have that lead and you're playing that well up to that point, close it out at home. And if you have those players, yeah, that helps a lot and you're expected to close those out. So it's both, but man, it's just, it is just infuriating. And I guess still a lot of this stems from, I'm not going to lie, like, if we didn't have such a big campaign on DeRozan for MVP, that week and a half stretch that was just absolutely electric, I probably, I mean, I'd still be really mad about the Bulls losing these games, or disappointed rather, but not to that extent, because DeRozan had a really solid game for the most part against Milwaukee, a very solid game against Memphis that could have been huge for his MVP candidacy. Miami, Atlanta, eh. 22 versus Atlanta, 18 versus Miami, didn't matter too much. Okay, you can afford to have a couple bad games. But against Giannis and the Bucs, man, like we said, that was kind of his last hope to keep his candidacy alive. Yeah, I guess, again, theoretically, if you outshine Joel Embiid on his home floor and win, there's there's your piece right there. So yeah, technically, that's still it. But Embiid minus 118, DeRozan 12 to 1, Giannis plus 550, Jokic after his great performance is plus 175. So I know I said the last hope really for MVP was for him to do well against the Bucs and for the Bulls to win. But this is actually it now that I'm saying it, I guess. Looking even further into it. I mean, he dropped 29 against the Bucs. Levine was the highest scorer with 30. If he, (laughs) I'm laughing because I know, again, I said that was the last hope, really. And it kind of was, but if you can defeat and take down the MVP frontrunner after you brought in a future Hall of Famer and James Harden, since they've beaten you three times, since you're on a four-game losing streak, since you're on the road where you struggle, if you do it, he still has life. Probably the last time I'll say it for real. I mean, come on. Unless he just goes on a tangent at Detroit versus Cleveland at Sacramento, then you got to get three tough wins or at least two out of three at Utah, at Phoenix versus Toronto, then at Milwaukee. Sorry, that's four of that tough stretch. But maybe I'm the only one who's still very passionate about it, so I apologize if you're sick of me ranting about it. But man, we got great value at 40 to 1. And it was a legit thing for that week and a half during this stretch. And again, the odds haven't moved down in a bad way. So like, odds-wise, it's still reflected as it's possible. And now you have a lot of liability on it from books. So naturally, they're kind of just going to stay there. They're not going to put him back down to 15 to 21. Unless, again, the thought process, hey, if he's just going to be getting mid-20s, low-20s, and they're losing these games, there's no chance. You look at the standings in the East right now, this is what it's really going to come down to between him and Embiid, right? Who can finish top of the East? Well, the Heat are at the top. 
Then the Sixers are three games ahead. Bucks three games, or excuse me. It goes Heat at the top. Sixers three games back along with the Bucks. Then the Bulls are three and a half. Man, if they would have beat the Bucks, they'd be in decent position right now still. But he can help your case with a win against the Sixers, but it doesn't look like it's coming based on these odds, folks. Philadelphia opened up as a six and a half point favorite. Now they're up to seven and a half, pretty much consensus wise. Total open 229. Now you've seen this thing tick up to 232 and a half. Moneyline has the Sixers laying minus 295. Bulls plus 240 on the buyback. So the Bulls come into this matchup having lost four in a row. Sixers finally getting a loss during the James Harden era with Philadelphia. Not only a loss, they got embarrassed 99-82 at Miami on Saturday. Huge win for Miami. Big loss for the Sixers. Not that it's going to affect too much, but just seeing the Sixers finally go against tough or top competition with Harden, and you got dismantled. But it doesn't matter for this game because the Sixers have beaten the Bulls three times this season. November 3rd at Philly, Sixers won 103-98. Some mistakes at the end. Bulls had a healthy squad, couldn't get it done though. November 6th versus Philly. The next game for the Bulls, Sixers won 114-105. That was at home versus Philly. You kind of needed to win that game. That was bad. Then the game I actually went to at the UC where Embiid dropped 40, DeRozan dropped 45, you lost 119-109. You didn't have Kobe White, you didn't have Zach Levine, and they kept it closer than I thought they would actually. So overall, it was a good comeback at some point and a decent effort out of the Bulls, but they just clearly were outmatched. I mean, DeRozan dropped 45. It, he had no help, really. Javante Green was like your third highest score. Because I think Vooch had 23, Javante had like 17. If you had at least Kobe White, you probably definitely could have made at least single digits. But, man, this team has owned you. And they could do it again tonight. I mean, based on the way they're playing, how could you expect anything different? Now, I will say the Bulls have had two days to rest. That helps. Okay. And like we had the conversation before the Hawks and Bulls game, it is incredibly tough to defeat a team four times in a season. I don't care who you are. The thing is, these are different. Like, these these are just different situations, though, right? I mean, the Bulls are very banged up. The Sixers only got better post-trade deadline. And as opposed to where the Hawks and Bulls played, well, the Bulls play a lot better at home. And I don't know. I... The, the Hawks are pretty still evenly matched with this depleted roster versus the Bulls and if they were healthy. So my point being, it's not surprising that the Hawks even things up. We weren't shocked that they won. I'd be shocked if the Bulls won tonight. That's the difference. So, yes, it's hard to beat a team four times, but when you're the Sixers against this Bulls team in this current situation, it's probably not that tough. Considering they're seven and a half point favorites. So in terms of the spread, guys, honestly, maybe this thing has gotten out of hand. Maybe it has gotten a little bit too high, and taking the points with the Bulls would be the right move. But Vooch is questionable going into this game. And I'm not saying that in terms of what he can do offensively, because we know he has struggled against the Sixers and in exact situations like this. He's averaging 12.7 points per game versus Philly throughout three contests. On 36.5% shooting, 18% shooting from three, and getting two free throw attempts per game. Jeez, you're a big man. Figure it out. Four points, 11 points, 23 points respectively versus Philly. 
He dropped 23 because, again, they had no Levine, no Kobe White. He had to score. And Embiid's a fine defender because he's big, but he's nothing dominant. But otherwise, when Levine's been in the mix against the Sixers, 4 and 11 points. And so I wanted to get a Vooch prop, but because he's questionable, you haven't really seen it posted thus far. Also, I feel like they're definitely going to adjust. Like, if he's at 16.5, it's probably not worth playing. If it's at 17.5 and and you see it before the game, I'd probably entertain the under, unless it's like minus 135 or more. But that's the only prop I was really looking forward to playing. But again, he's questionable with a hamstring issue. We'll see. How does that affect the game for you, though, in terms of the spread? I mean, Vooch... Embiid dropped 40 on Vooch. It doesn't matter who's guarding Embiid. He's going to drop 25-plus every single game. So does that change your thoughts on the spread here? You would think, well, Danny, yeah, I mean, it's another option offensively. It changes the dynamic of the opponent's defense. And you're right. You're definitely right. But again, (laughs) it's still the Sixers, folks. And if Vooch isn't putting up points... It's not going to make that much of a difference. Again, I get it. It spreads the floor out a little bit more. So, so yeah, it'll hurt it to a certain extent because you'll have no options down low. But, yeah, I I mean, at the end of the day, again, I'm not going to bet. I mean, look, you're looking at underlying metrics for Vooch. His expected win, meaning if he's on the floor, off the floor, is zero. So it's really nothing. Plus point, or plus 0.1 for efficiency differential. So basically, Booch really isn't providing anything good or bad when he's playing statistically-wise. Caruso's at the top, by the way, plus 10.2, if you were curious. Oddly enough. (laughs) That shows you, though, they're missing him. We know it. Great defensive presence. But yeah, I mean, if Booch doesn't go, guys, I'm sure this line will get even steeper. So maybe just wait regardless, because if he is going to go... It's not going to move down in the Bulls' favor that much. So long story short, I probably would lean toward taking the points with the Bulls. You could wait in-game, see if they keep it close, and get on the Sixers. That would probably be the better option. Total, eh, I'd probably lean toward the over. You've missed it by about three points now. So again, can always do in-game with that as well. But you probably will see this being higher scoring, at least out of the Sixers. Their team total's like 119.5. It's steep. But I'd only bet that over. Because since James Harden has been in the mix, they've gone over that every single game except for one, which was their last one against the Heat. But aside from Vooch, who are some other players who have thrived in this situation? Well, we alluded to it. DeMar DeRozan. He's averaging 35.7 points per game against Philly. On 57% shooting from the floor, getting to the line about 12 times. 37 points, 25 points, and 45 points, respectively. Remember that 45 was with no Levine, no Kobe White. His points prop is at 28.5 tonight. Is it worth taking the over? To me, the answer is no. I just think you completely stay away from DeRozan right now. Because, yes, he has the capability of going over. The way he's been doing it has been in spurts, right? Like he'll start off slow and then he'll take to the second half to get there or start off high, kind of disappear. It's, I don't know, man. I mean, 28 and a half is probably the right number. 
I don't want to bet over because I don't actually trust him enough to get over it as of this point. But I don't want to bet under again because he's had success in this spot. But I mean, look, on the road against Miami, only had 18. On the road against Atlanta, had 22 since the All-Star break. On the road, he has stunk. In some other spots, I mean, on the road, yeah, during his streak, he was still getting the job done. So I don't know. I mean, look, at Memphis, when he kind of had to do this whole thing on Martin Luther King Day, 24 at Boston before 23. At Dallas, 20. At Washington, 28. So before he got on his hot streak, he was a guy who wasn't doing anything that spectacular on the road. But again, I know he's thrived against Philly. I just don't know if you can bank on him as much as you could before. At home, yeah. Against favorable matchups. But with Levine back in the mix, on the road, I just don't trust it. So his prop is at 28.5. I'm probably going to stay away from it, though. What about Embiid? What has he done versus Chicago? Well, he's averaging 29.3 points per game on 52% shooting. He's getting to the charity stripe about nine times in those three matchups versus the Bulls. Dropped 18, dropped 30, and dropped 40. His points prop at 30.5 tonight. Well, it's favorable because, well, you're going against Vooch, presumably, or Tristan Thompson. And look, as, as much of a big body and a powerhouse type of guy Tristan Thompson is, you saw what Giannis was able to do to him and bully him. You just, you can't do anything against these guys. I don't care who you are. So Embiid's going to get his looks, that's for sure. But if it's going to be a blowout, will Embiid still be in the game late enough to pad those stats to get it over? With Harden in the mix, is that going to allow him to score more? Or are they going to rely on him as much? No, probably not. So again, I'm not going to be getting involved with Embiid. He's only gone over it once. And now with Harden in, probably not even more so. But speaking of Harden, is he worth the play with his points prop? 24 and a half is the number over minus 118, under minus 108. So this season, Harden is averaging 23 points per game, but when he's played with Philly in four games, he's averaging 27 points per game, and he's gone over 24.5 points in all four games. His shot selection consists of 46% of his attempts coming at the rim and 40% from beyond the arc. He's making 78% of them at the rim and 50% from three. His effective fuel percentage offensively is 71.5%. Folks, that ranks in the 100th percentile. Cream of the crop, top of the list, baby. He's killing it. The Bulls are allowing opponents to get over 36% of their shot attempts at the rim. That's dead last. But in terms of making them, well, opponents making 64% of them, which is 7th. But they're getting ample opportunities. We know how bad they are from three, ranked 28th, allowing opponents to make 37% of their shots from deep. Now, what's interesting, too, I mentioned the Sixers are number one in free throw rate offensively, folks, okay? Remember that. And remember what the Bulls have done lately. They have allowed their opponents. Grizzlies got 26 attempts. Heat got 26. Atlanta got 28. Milwaukee got 33. And the Sixers are number one in free throw rate. Well, James Harden is a fantastic free throw shooter, and he does a really good job of drawing defenders to get pump fakes, and he'll he'll get a foul left and right. So in four games with the Sixers, 
Guys, he's gone to the line 41 times. And he's made 37 out of 41 free throw attempts. He is going to absolutely expose the Bulls in that category. They're going to run pick and roll, and they are going to crush the Bulls with that. You saw what happened against the Grizzlies. They could not contain Morant and Steven Adams doing pick and roll. You saw Giannis. You saw Middleton do it. Drew, Hol- Drew Holiday absolutely went off in the fourth quarter. Io couldn't stop him. So the Bulls cannot contain the pick and roll. That's their issue. It's damn near impossible for him. You've seen it. So it's going to be a one-two punch more than any other of these opponents probably with Harden and Embiid. The bright light and the hope for this Bulls team, like it's been in other games, but like they've been refusing to take advantage of, is their transition offense. That's where the Bulls can maybe make their cake because the Bulls rank second in transition offense. Sixers rank 24th in transition defense. Conversely, Philly's about 9th in transition offense. Bulls 27th in transition defense. Half-court offense, Bulls are 4th. Philly is 7th defensively, but they're 6th offensively, and the Bulls are 23rd. Guys, the Bulls are just far outmatched in every category. And it doesn't guarantee a loss. I understand it. It's just, it's kind of a bummer when we can't get our hopes up for these games, right? We should be because if they had their healthy roster, we know they could compete in these spots. And you want to get one against the Sixers. You want to get one against Embiid, who's the front runner for MVP when he got a guy in DeRozan who's right there knocking at the door, but slowly backing up saying, maybe I don't belong here. This is your last chance to get in the party. Get the keys, unlock the door, get in the conversation, play well, play defense, everybody, and don't turn the ball over and make dumb mistakes. Get out to that early lead. Maintain the momentum. Why they refuse to do it, it's beyond me. They get up and they're like, ah, crap. Ah, no, we're not actually. This isn't how the game's supposed to go. We can't can't be leading. Ah, we got to turn the ball over. We got to not rebound. That's the Bulls when they have a late lead. In depth is an issue, understood. At this point, it is inexcusable, though. Overall, guys, there's nothing I really want to bet in this game. So all I'll say is the main way I would look to approach it is I would probably bet Harden's prop over. That would be one of the ways I would approach it. You could even look at his threes over two and a half. It's a little bit of plus money. That's when I would consider. I would consider him over 24 and a half points. Otherwise, maybe look at the total going over, but the best way to bet it, and again, if the Booch prop comes out and it's 17 and a half or higher, yes, I will I will take the under, but I don't think it will be. Aside from that, in-game, in-game, in-game. If the Bulls keep it close, if the Bulls get a lead, if you're looking to bet this objectively, and I always like to preface it with that because I know a lot of people listening and myself, we're diehard Bulls fans, right? We don't want to bet against the Bulls. We want to root for them. But if you're looking for the best way to make money, if the Bulls can keep it close or if they can take a lead, a considerable one at some point, not too late, but at some point, honestly, live betting the Sixers is probably your move. Bulls are rested, so they'll keep it close at some point unless it's like the Miami Heat game. But the Sixers will find a way to win. We'll be mad about the Bulls once again because they'll probably tease us to a certain extent. And then in the fourth quarter, the Sixers will pull away because they can't limit the pick and roll with Harden and Embiid. And then they're going to have to keep following him. 
And probably Maxi, the role player, is going to go. You know what? Tobias Harris has completely been in a slump since Harden came along. Watch Tobias Harris drop like 20-plus now and have his best game since Harden's been there. They're going to be like, oh, no problem now, you know, because the Bulls made him look really good. I wouldn't be shocked if that happened. But, man, do the Bulls ever so need this win. This would do wonders to this team to the thought process of this fan base, to the narrative nationally about not beating top teams. But it's just really not worth getting your hopes up for. And I'm not saying that it's season over, all this, this, and that. I know I'm like depressing these last couple of games when we're talking about the Bulls. But from a realistic standpoint, folks, this is what they are. There's nothing that's going to change until they get reinforcements. But you just needed them to get that win against the Hawks. You needed them to close out against the Bucks, but you couldn't get it. Maybe the two days off will do great things for this Bulls team. Let's all hope so. Coming up next, we're talking college hoops, so a little bit more exciting and some optimism around the Big Ten Conference Tournament. Who's going to come out on top? Who's got the shortest odds? And what are my Cornhuskers going to be looking like after their hot streak? We'll talk about that next. Danny Burke, your host here. It is the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to experience rush pay. When you want to cash out your winnings, you don't want to wait two days just to get the go-ahead to withdraw your money. That's why Bet Rivers created Rush Pay. With Rush Pay, 80% of withdrawal requests are approved instantly, meaning you'll get your money faster. Why wait? Get your cash when you want it. Bet with a winner. Bet with Bet Rivers Sportsbook at BetRivers.com. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board Statewide Voluntary Self-Exclusion Program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. 1-800-426-2537. Alrighty, time to talk some college hoops, specifically in the Big Ten with the conference tournament. The bracket has been released, the seeds have been established, and I'm actually interested in now all of this action. And, I, and I've told you this, right? I mean, I don't really get heavily involved until the month of March, and then it starts piquing my interest because, look, I mean, we're still... We're all in on football till the Super Bowl, and then we're looking at early Super Bowl odds, and uh, we're still in the in the thick of it with hockey and then NBA, and then oh yeah, we got college basketball. But I'm the reason I don't do it. It's such a bad product. I mean, look at that Iowa Illinois game last night. You see how many free throws the Hawkeyes missed. That'll make you rip your hair out of your skull if you have money invested in that. And that's why seldom do I do it. Doesn't mean I don't love March Madness. Doesn't mean I don't love conference tournament time. But I'm not going to stress myself out consistently throughout the course of a long season to have those things happen to me. Okay? And there's a difference between college basketball and college football. Like, these college football guys, like, they're just insane freak athletes. And it's a lot easier to make little mistakes in college basketball than it is in college football because there's so many people touching the ball there's so many ways you can do it with foul calls with free throws with turnovers with football you've got really talented guys and these guys are about ready to go to the NFL of course after like a season or two right so it's a little bit different and you get a smaller sample size so that's why the product is a lot better too but before we get in to the seeding of the tournament we got to talk about my alma mater folks I have crapped on this team so much, and I do with college football primarily. College basketball, again, not as in tune with it. But you knew they were terrible this season. They've been atrocious. But what has happened to this program the last three games? They won at Penn State. All right, the Nittany Lions are a crap team, but they beat them 93-70 to on the road. 
Then you win at Ohio State, 78-70. to Then you won at Wisconsin yesterday, 74-73. The, the Huskers were down by like 10 with like four minutes left. I'm watching the highlights. I'm like, how did they come back from this? They were just knocking down three after three. They were relentless. There's something that has changed with the mindset and momentum and camaraderie and the just overall skill level of this team. Yes, they lost a significant player at the beginning of the season. That hurt them. But look at them now. They're getting hot at the right time, right? That's the old adage. Usually say that's more middle of the pack or top tier teams, not the 13th out of 14th teams. But hey, it is what it is. No 20-loss team has won back-to-back top 25 road games in 50 years per the Big Ten. Nebraska did just that. So say what you want about this team. Say what you want about Hoiberg. I have plenty to say about him. But he's doing just well enough to obviously, you know, cushion that uh, that uh, that hot seat, I guess you could say, a little bit. Although he did get extended that year, I believe. So he's going to be here regardless. But, man, it's it's insane. My friend's like, what do you think about Nebraska at Wisconsin? I'm like, well, after that Ohio State game, I don't know if we were talking about it here or elsewhere, but I'm like, I'd be shocked if Nebraska, you know, was like an 11 or 12-point dog because then I'd probably take them. And I think they were right around there. And they won the game outright. Wisconsin got cocky early. That's why you don't celebrate early because now you have a share of the Big Ten regular season title with Illinois because Illinois ended up winning. So Fighting Illini fans are grateful and very thankful to the Huskers. And how about a big middle finger to you, Wisconsin? Not only because you got cocky and you celebrated early and the refs were on your side all game yesterday, but because you've lost me a bet in the past. A couple of them, actually. Because I bet Purdue you hit those stupid-ass bang shots against them and then the game against Minnesota you couldn't cover. So you know what? I am so happy that you celebrated early and then now you have to share it and you didn't get the number one seed. That's hilarious to me. <laughs> but, man, this is going to be a fun tournament. It's going to be good. Who do you like, though? How are these odds stacking up? Purdue, still the short shot, plus 175. Illinois, who we talked about at about, like, plus 350, are now plus 275. That's who we have been saying is probably your best bang for your buck. Iowa's 4-1. to one. They could beat anybody if they're shooting lights out. Wisconsin, 8-1. to one. Ohio State, 12-1. to one. Ohio State lost again. Rutgers 14-1 along with Michigan. The Spartans 16-1. Indiana 22-1. Northwestern 66-1. Penn State 80-1. Nebraska 100-1 along with Minnesota and Maryland. So obviously the Illinois odds, you can't bet in state, but those are the Bet Rivers Indiana odds. So those are uh, how it's stacked up at that sports book in Indiana. But who are you trusting right now? I mean, my team would have still been, it was Illinois last week or two when they were over $3, but plus $275, they're certainly not as intriguing. I'd get the angle of thinking Wisconsin at 8-1 to because, ah, they just had a bad game. You know, they're already celebrating. They weren't as motivated, blah, blah. Yeah, I just, I really have not liked this Wisconsin team too much. They do a lot of things right, but, man, you can't lose to Nebraska in that spot. Purdue, they should win. They are the most talented in team. When you have a seven-foot guy in your team in college, you should literally win every game. And when you have Kofi Cockburn, obviously, too. So that's why they're the rightful top teams in terms of these odds and just in the Big Ten, really. Is there any dark horse you'd look at? Can Ohio State figure it out at 12-1? to 1? Eh, Probably not. <laughs> probably not. If 
by the way, I say I don't really like Bennett that much. It's funny because I'm looking at some of these games. I'm like, yeah, I'd kind of bet this. And I threw a little bit on Ohio State, actually, after that game uh, where they lost to Nebraska because I was like, this is going to be a buy-low spot on them. The line shouldn't be that low, and they'll respond. And they did. And then the Nebraska game, I was like, yeah, take the points. Obviously, I'm not releasing them as official bets, so naturally they hit. But when I would, you know how it goes. That's just the way the cookie crumbles. But any dark horse in this, in this uh, tournament, well, let's look at it. So Nebraska-Northwestern stacking up on Wednesday against each other. Minnesota-Penn State. I'm going with Nebraska. Northwestern's beaten up twice, but Nebraska's got the hot hand. Minnesota-Penn State. I don't know. I guess I'll go with Minnesota. I Again, you know, there's some teams I know about, some I don't, and Minnesota-Penn State aren't at the top of the list. But I'll go with Minnesota. So then you got Nebraska and Iowa. little rivalry there. Iowa will win. And then they'll play Rutgers. But also you have Indiana as the 9 seed. Michigan as the 8 seed. I'll go with Michigan. Team that's desperate. A team that's still solid. So then it'll be Michigan and Illinois. Iowa and Rutgers. And then who's going to play Wisconsin? It's Maryland or Michigan State. I'll go with Izzo late in March. So then it's Michigan State, Wisconsin. And then Minnesota, Ohio State. Who wins that game to play Purdue? It's going to be Ohio State. So then, uh, what is this, the quarterfinals then? You got Michigan, Illinois. I'll go Illinois. Iowa, Rutgers. I'll go Iowa. Michigan State, Wisconsin. I'd love to go against Wisconsin. But realistically, they probably win. And then Ohio State, Purdue, Purdue. Purdue will beat Wisconsin. Illinois will beat Iowa. And then it's down to Purdue and Illinois. The easy option the kind of chalky way to go about it. But that would be my more novice Big Ten tournament bracket. And then winning it all. If I'm looking at it from the Valley perspective, obviously I'm going to choose Illinois over Purdue. But talent-wise, I do think Purdue is the best team. But does that mean they're going to win the tournament? No, it doesn't. It does not. But it's interesting, man. I think this is going to be a fun one. Nebraska has made it interesting, believe it or not. I never thought I'd make that or just utter that sentence this season for college basketball. What I'm saying is they have made this tournament a little bit more intriguing, especially with those first two games that people usually don't give a crap about. So can they make it exciting enough? That would be the most insane thing. Like, if Nebraska can get to the... If they can get past Iowa, like, that would almost just be good enough to... Like, that crosses out them just being crappy in football the past however many... Like, how many years would you equate that to? Now, they would have to get to the championship to do that. It's a little bit different. But you get what I'm saying. It would be insanity if they beat Iowa even in the second round. To do that would be incredible. But let me see. So, Illinois against Purdue. So, Illinois got stomped out at Purdue 84-68 to earlier this year. And Purdue also beat them in double overtime 96-88. to doesn't mean they can beat him a third time per se, but yeah, you know, I probably lean with Purdue uh, winning again. So I'll go Purdue going all the way against Illinois in the championship. That's how I would handicap it. Again, doesn't mean I'm taking Purdue plus 175. I would just rather lay a small favorite amount and wait. So what I'm saying is, so if you think Purdue's going to get to the championship game, my philosophy at least, since the value of plus 175 is so short, for them to still have to win two games, right? I mean, three games to win it all, but two games to get there. I'd rather not take it now. 
wait to see if they actually win those two games. And then in the championship, if they're against the top team, what? They'll be at the highest minus 150 maybe. But you're paying more to know that they make it to that spot instead of the short value, if you even want to call it value, of plus 175. So that's the way I would look at it as opposed to just getting plus 175. I'm fine with laying more of a price to actually know they're in that spot. With Illinois at plus 275, if you can get Illinois at 3-1 to one wherever you shop, I would say, yeah, I'd probably entertain that bet. Wisconsin 8-1, to one, look, if you do believe in Wisconsin, I think that's probably some very good value for you. Rutgers, ah, Rutgers always seems to make a little bit of a run, but I really don't think they'll come through. Like what, I mean... Being on Illinois' side of the bracket is more favorable than Purdue, so that would cross out Wisconsin for me. That cross out Michigan State, Maryland, Ohio State. So I think your long shot would have to be your longer shots, Michigan, Iowa, or Rutgers. Who would you take out of that? Well, you'd probably take Iowa because it just takes a hot hand for this team to cruise in the tournament. Iowa 4-1, to though. Michigan 14-1. to Can Michigan get enough momentum? Can Rutgers? Eh, probably not. Is Iowa going to be pissed after that Illinois game that they lost? Yeah, you bet they are. So Iowa 4-1, not terrible. Not terrible at all. And that's going to be a revenge game, presumably, assuming they meet. Illinois-Iowa. And man, Illinois came back from behind. Being at home was huge for them. Honestly, <laughs> now that I'm kind of thinking about it, I wouldn't be shocked to see Iowa beat Illinois. I'll still go with the fighting Illini, but again... If you're looking for a little bit more value, I guess, then I would recommend Iowa over Illinois. If you're solely looking for value, you're getting a dollar better for the Hawkeyes. They get revenge in the semifinal. That may be your best approach. But I'll stick with Illinois-Purdue. But again, Iowa can beat anybody if they're making, I mean, they're one of the best teams from deep. That's just how they play. They play fast. They shoot a lot of deep shots. Got high pace. Going against Kofi's tough, but man, Iowa with that vengeance on their back. Could be a decent selection. But again, not saying I'm betting it, but that may be a way to approach it. The way I'm going to be approaching it, though, I'm just going to bet it on a game-to-game basis, honestly. I think that's probably the best way to go about it. Take advantage of some of these lines based on recency bias with the familiarity and the trends of how they've done against each respective team, I think gives you a little bit of advantage here. And... You know, when we talk about Iowa too, guys, I mean, look, you got to go through if Nebraska wins, if it's going to be a tough game against Nebraska, that'll wear them down a little bit. Then, look, then you got to go against a Rutgers team that if they're playing you tough, they're rested, and then you're going against it. So that's the thing. Like, you might have some weary legs here because you're going Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Like, there's no days off in between. You only get one game of a break if you're Iowa. So that loss against Illinois was big. So that's why ultimately I'd probably still give the edge to Illinois. But like I was saying, I mean, if you're looking for value, yeah, I mean, Iowa a little bit more attractive, but not by much. Not by much. So ultimately, again, because it shifted so much, I will approach it on a game-to-game basis. I'm I'm excited to see where this Nebraska line is going to be at. I don't want to be the guy that jumps in now, bets it, and screws them. Hopefully I don't have that much of a bad luck around me with college basketball. But, I mean, we're only one and two with our picks, so I don't know. I think a lot of people will see Nebraska as an attractive option. I'm trying to see if there's any early, early odds, but I haven't seen anything. I'm sure we'll get some more so tomorrow, if not tomorrow night. 
But where do you have this thing at now? Is Nebraska going to be a decent favorite? Could they be laying a few points? I don't know. I Maybe not a few points, but they'll probably be a slight favorite here. Should be fun, though. We'll talk more about it tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk more about it on Rush Hour along with plenty more bets that you can take throughout the slate tonight. I'll be having on Rick Kamla, Sirius XM NBA Radio. We'll talk with Will Hill, host of the New York City cast. I've got some action in hockey, and who knows, by the time I get on air at about 5 p.m. Central Time, maybe that Vooch prop is up, maybe something is altered within the game that I might jump in with a Bulls bet or any other bet throughout the National Basketball Association. But be sure to check me out on Twitter at DannyBurke5. I'll give you the link to the show. Uh, you can get it on the Marquee Sports Network, Fubo TV, Sling TV, the Xfinity app, YouTube TV, iHeartRadio. So wherever you get your podcasts available, folks, you can check out Rush Hour. And as always, for the Chicago City Cast, thank you for tuning in. Always appreciate it. If you like or subscribe, leave a comment. If you subscribe, you get notified when the show is released as soon as possible so you can get some of that in-depth betting knowledge before the lines move because I know a lot of times when I release it and by tip-off, these props have changed and you're not getting the best number. Like the Vooch we had at 19.5 went down to 18.5 and and he ended up with 19. So that's the value in getting the show as soon as possible. That's what I'm hoping to try to help you get. But thanks as always for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. Make it a good one. Best of luck with your plays. We'll catch up again tomorrow here on the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.